morning. Welcome to Great Oaks Community Church. My name is Chris Genders. Uh, I serve the church as the lead student pastor. Uh, this is Brandon Lambius. He is our associate student pastor. And uh, you get the privilege of hearing from both of us today. Uh, now, some of you have heard me teach before, and, and so you know I do this all the time. Um, this is Brandon's first time on the stage. So let's give it up for Brandon to start with. All right? Thanks. He, uh, he's taught a lot with our high school students. He's taught with our middle school environment. Um, and we told him when he got hired about six months ago, at some point, you're going to be on the stage on Sunday morning. And so we thought we'd ease him into it by having a little team teaching uh, experience here this morning. So you're going to get to hear from both of us back and forth uh, here this morning. So I, I shared a story with him this morning. Maybe it set him at ease. I'm not sure. Uh, but when I, when I first started substitute teaching years ago, uh, my first day on the job, I was so nervous. I checked into the office, got my name tag, you know, went to the classroom, and immediately went to the bathroom and threw up. And I'm just like, I was just, oh man, it was horrible. I was so nervous. So I don't think that's happened to him this no, morning yet. Um, if he runs off stage, I'll just ad lib, man. I'll just, I'll just go with it. So, Thanks. all right, sounds good. So we're, uh, we're in this series, Bill started last week, uh, called You Are Here. And months ago as we started planning this series, we said, okay, what are the different environments that the people sitting in our chairs um, spend time in? And last week, if you were here, uh, Bill we started with the mind. And he said, Let's, we, all, we all said, you know, gosh, man, before we even get to a physical location, we've got to realize that, that our faith starts here. Um, and so we talked about transforming your mind. Um, so if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go listen to that podcast uh, we, we started talking like, okay, workplace. Yeah, we got to talk about the workplace because a lot of people in the, in the chairs are, are in workplaces on a daily basis. Um, obviously, the home. Uh, we got to talk about our homes and how we live out our faith in our homes. And, and then Brandon and I sitting here working with students were like, you got to talk about students, man. You got to talk about the school. And uh, so we put that in here as well. And then as you heard Bill say, on May 21st, we're going to talk about uh, the church, the community, um, and celebrate our big 20th anniversary. Uh, so we encourage you, invite you guys to be a part of uh, this whole series. But today, uh, we're talking about school. And at this point, I'm going to turn it over to Brandon. All right. So let's do this thing. <laughs> I guess that's how I'm going to start it. Um, so Chris and I, we work in student ministry, obviously, like, like he said, um, we believe that student ministry should be second family when it comes to your students and when, to your kids. Um, we truly believe that with partnering with parents and, and with teaching students that we only have a short amount of time with them. Uh, so a lot of times we see that as like we only have this small window of time that we're able to speak to students. Who else should be speaking spiritually into students' lives? Um, well, the parents should. Um, so we actually we believe that, that parents should be the primary spiritual educators of your children, and we actually find this in scripture um, in Deuteronomy 6. Um, so allow me to read this passage real quick. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads, write them on your door frames of your houses, and on your gates. So in student ministry, Chris is kind of like the father figure amongst the students. I mean, he's a little bit older than I am, so he's just seen as, as a father figure. Um, he also has a student in high school as well as a student in middle school. Um, so it kind of gives him that sort of role. Where I'm seen as kind of like the older brother sort of figure, which is kind of cool because I have a lot of younger siblings. Um, so it's cool to just kind of be like in a, in a role um, within the church where I'm able to see, be seen as an, as an older brother. Um, I'll give you guys kind of a little bit of backstory of myself since most of you probably don't know me. Um, I grew up in a Christian household, um, but it never really stuck with me as a kid. 
Um, I didn't understand it. It just, it just kind of like went in one ear, out the other sort of thing. I thought it was just all about being a good person. Um, it just kind of came down to the point where literally it was just like a, a flick of a switch um, when I was actually a counselor at Miracle Camp that I truly started owning my faith. Um, and since that, since that moment, I was actually just kind of put on a roller coaster ride of my faith, kind of figuring out what this is, what it looks like, and, and how to actually be a Christian. Um, so I don't, I don't claim to know all the answers. I, I definitely don't. Um, but I'm, I'm on, this, on this journey with you as students, as, as parents, and trying to figure it all out. Um, but I guess, I mean, let me expand a little bit more on, on kind of where I'm coming from. Um, like I said, I work with high school students and I work with the college-age students. And that's, been a, that's allowed me to be able to figure out kind of a place where I can understand what they're going through because I'm not too far removed um, from where, where they are at that age. Um, I graduated MTHS seven years ago. So, I mean, some, for some of you students, that seems kind of like a long time ago. For some of you, maybe it's not that far. Um, but it's actually funny, just a side note. I do side notes a lot. I'm going to let you guys know that. Um, I get off on tangents, too. Um, but actually, I thought it was funny because this week, uh, I'm sitting there like, oh, yeah, like, I know students. Like, I work with them all the time. I'm pretty young still. I'm 25. Like, this is really cool. And then so I came to, I was trying to post something on Instagram. And Chris was like, oh, you just do this. And I was like, dude, what? Like, you know something on Instagram that I don't know? Um, so I was just, it, maybe I am pretty far removed from students these days. I don't know. Um, but I guess, I mean, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get across is that I, I feel like I'm in, a, in such a, a unique sort of role uh, as a big brother that I'm able to, to kind of pour myself into students a little bit better, as well as then also to relate uh, to students. So um, today I'll be able to go ahead and speak to the students. Um, that's going to be, I'm going to be able to offer up that opportunity uh, to them. Um, but actually right now I'm going to go ahead and turn it back over to Chris. <clears throat> yeah, because, you know, Brandon's 25, and it dawned on me as we were rehearsing earlier this week that um, I graduated high school 25 years ago uh, this year. <laughs> so when you were born... I was a senior in high school, so now I feel really old. Um, but no, so Brandon's going to talk, you know, to the students. I'm going to talk to the parents. Like he said, I've got a middle schooler, I've got a high schooler. Um, we, I played tennis in high school. Um, we were not a very good tennis team, uh, which meant I had a lot of time to learn how to juggle, right? Um, like, believe it or not, I was number one player in my tennis team, but it was a small farm town, right? So that doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, but this is what I did a lot when coach wasn't around. As I'm, so, I'm like, I gotta learn how to do four. I don't know how to do four yet. But I thought of this this morning, actually. This wasn't even in the notes. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Um, oh my goodness. Um, I feel like life for many of us is a lot like this, right? We're, we're constantly juggling things. You know, we got our jobs, we got our families, we got our hobbies, we got, you know, what we do with our free time, we gotta take care of our homes, we got all these things that we do. And oftentimes, if you're like me, it's so busy that it's easy to let one of those balls drop, right? And sometimes we choose what ball drops. Sometimes it, it drops on its own without our choosing. And a lot of times when we talk about this idea of, of being uh, primary spiritual educators, parents, um, being primary spiritual educators of our children, that's a ball that's easy to drop. And here's why. We don't know how to do that. Nobody has ever taught us what it means to be a spiritual educator of our children. If you're like me, um, you didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so my parents, who actually my mom's going to be here, my mom and stepdad are going to be here next service. Um, they're visiting this weekend. Um, I didn't grow up in a home. They didn't teach me what it means to love God. And, and they didn't know scripture, so they didn't teach scripture in my life. And so I'm kind of figuring this out as I go. Karen and I are both kind of figuring this out as I go. And if I'm honest, there are some of you in the crowd that are better at raising your students spiritually than I am. 
I, I feel like I muddy it up quite a bit, right? I don't always know what the right words to say, or maybe I'm like, oh, man, I don't do devotions every night and, and all this kind of stuff. And so I can begin to beat myself up over that. Uh, what I've learned, though, is that that ball of raising our kids spiritually is one of the most important balls. And you cannot allow that to drop. You cannot let that ball fall by the wayside, whether intentionally or accidentally. Because it is one of the most critical things that you will do will affect the rest of your life, is how you raise your children in the home. And so I'm, I'm putting some weight on it. I'm putting, I'm, you know, sometimes we're here, we're going to make you feel good. Um, and we're going to do that hopefully this morning by training you. But at the same time, I'm going to add some, some weight to your life right now. And it's never too late to start. I have parents who come to me when their kids are 17, 18 years old, and they say, what do I need to do? And so I begin to walk alongside them. I have, we have parents in the church that come when babies are born. Dan is doing a, a, a baby dedication class over here right now. Kids aren't even born yet. And parents are like, what does it mean to raise my kids spiritually? So remember, this role of parenting, spiritually educating our children, it's not on us. It's on you. We're here to assist you. And that's what this morning is all about. Brenda. So when we started doing kind of our, our research for this, this part of the series, um, we wanted to look at how exactly we were going to do that. So um, we figured it would make sense to look at, at a part of Jesus' life. Um, we all know when Jesus was born, we celebrate it every year at Christmas. We all know Jesus' life and his death. Um, but we're like, well, if we're going to talk to students, we have to find a, a time when Jesus was a student. Um, we, we decided to choose a, a passage um, out of Luke 2. Um, so if you have your Bibles um, or your Bible app or whatever, um, go ahead and turn to it, and then uh, I'll go and read. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, he went up to the festival according to custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. With looking at this part of Jesus' life, we can see that even at 12 years old, he made some pretty big decisions. And as Chris and I kind of studied this passage over the last couple of weeks, we came up with three takeaways that we thought truly just stood out to us um, in this passage. That was pursue God, create rhythms of faith, and influence others. As we're going to dive into this passage, we're going to look at some, some insight that we found that God gave us, as well as potential application points um, for both students and parents. I'm teaching to students, Chris is teaching to then to the parents. We left some space in the, in, in the bulletins, um, some blank space on the back, if you guys want to go ahead and take some notes. 
Um, but now I'm going to go and turn it back over to Chris. It's like a tennis and, match, right? I know, it is. It, it is. is. It is. It is. So I'm going to stay up here for a little bit. Okay. All right, so just relax. Drink some water back there. We'll do. Let the nerves calm down. I know, for real, though. <laughs> so what we want to do is I'm going to talk to the parents and future parents, right, uh, in the room. Um, and we're going to look at this idea of pursuing God, creating rhythms of faith, and influencing others from a parent perspective. Um, and then Brandon's going to turn it over here. And what, what we talk about, you know, this whole series about you are here, and Nate alluded to it in his prayer. He said, you know, we're called to be the salt and the light of the world, to influence these places, influence our workplace, our, our home, our community, um, and our school. But what we understand, what we have to understand and realize is that before we can influence people for Christ, we have to be pursuing Christ. And to pursue Christ, we have to create rhythms of pursuing Christ. And so we can't just jump in and say, hey, Go impact your, your schools for Christ, right? The students will be like, what does that mean? Well, it means pursuing God and creating rhythms of faith. And for students as well as parents, uh, we have the responsibilities with that. So we just want to kind of unpack this story of Jesus when he was 12 years old um, from a parent perspective and from a, a student perspective on these three takeaways. So I'm going to start with pursuing God. Uh, one of the things that I saw as I started to study it uh, was in verses 41 and 42, uh, we see that Mary and Joseph were very committed to their faith. They were a Jewish family, which meant that their faith in God, belief in God, and their practices were central uh, to their life. And so Jesus would have grown up in a God-fearing family. Uh, what that says to me is that as parents, we have to set the example for our students to follow. Uh, our children will learn more from what we do than what we say, right? I've learned that over the years. My son's 15, my daughter's 12. I've learned over the last 15 years that my son will learn more about faith by watching how I live out my faith than by what I teach him, okay? That doesn't mean I don't teach him stuff. It just means that I have to understand that my example is what comes first. And so am I talking about God and what I'm learning on a regular basis? Am I, am I demonstrating a commitment to scripture and learning and applying that to my life? And am I weaving that into our conversations um, as a family? Uh, verse 48, I saw, you know, Jesus sat down and he asked questions. Um, and people were amazed at his questions and his answers. And, and let's be honest, there are times where our children will surprise us, right? Times where they'll ask a question and we're like, whoa. Where did that come from, and what do I do with that? And sometimes we have answers for that. Sometimes you don't, and that's why you call us as the pastors and say, hey, my kid just asked me this. What do I say? Um, and I'm like, boom, boom, here. Here's what you say, and here's what you point him to. Uh, we do that all the time. But I remember one time we were at home, and, and uh, Ethan, this, he was probably um, 11, 12 years old, and we're just chilling at home. Like, we're not even, it's not like we're talking about God or anything like that. Just all of a sudden, he goes, Dad, I got a question for you. And I said, okay. And he goes, so... If Adam and Eve were the only two human beings and they had sons, where did their sons' wives come from? I'm like, that's a great question, son. And so I, I began to unpack this from, a, of course, I'm a pastor, so I went theological. And, and I'm like, well, there's like three or four you know, interpretations that theologians believe. And ba ding ba ding ba ding ba ding explained it out. And he's like, oh, all right, cool, thanks. And uh, he leaves the room and Karen looks at me and she goes, way to take a simple question and make it complicated. <laughs> And I'm like, well, what's simple about that? And I was caught off guard. I didn't know what to do. So I just went into pastor mode, right? But there will be times if you create a climate of faith in your home, be prepared because your kids will ask you questions. And sometimes you'll know the answers. And a lot of times we won't know the answers. And you're going to need help figuring those things out. And that's what we're here for. 
I, I noticed also when he talked about this idea of pursuing God that, that in verse 51 it says that Mary treasured up um, all of these things. You know, what I took from that as a parent is that Mary looked at her son Jesus, and I'm sure her other children as well, and, and she, she understood how he connected with God. And he, she acknowledged that and, and allowed that. I mean, we, you know, if we lose our kid for three days, we freak out, right? Um, I don't go, oh, well, you were in your father's house. Of course, let's go home, right? Like, no, there's a whooping uh, that comes with that. Um, and then we move on, right? But it says to me that I have to understand and acknowledge my kid's faith. Um, and my kid's faith is probably expressed differently than mine, right? You guys know, many of you know that I'm a wilderness guy. For me, I, I sit around a campfire, I go hiking, I go whitewater rafting, kayaking, whatever. Like, I, I feel like I'm in the presence of God in creation. My kids aren't that way. Hey, you want to go camping? No. Why would I want to go do that, you know? Hey, you want to go hiking? Yeah, but is it going to be hot? Is it going to be sweaty? Like, are there going to be ticks? Like, what are we going to do, you know? But my kids express their faith in a different way. Morgan is very intellectual. Um, almost, I mean, from the time that she started reading, we, I, we'd say, hey, you know, do you want us to help you read? No, I don't need help reading. Like, you're fine. Go do your thing. I'm like, perfect. That whole reading log that you, can, you teachers assign, like, that was great with, with Morgan. With Ethan, it was like, oh, my goodness, right? But she, she, she has just given, dove into scripture on her own, and she has a devotional book that Karen and I bought her, and, and Karen and she have this routine at night, and, and, you know, I remember tucking Morgan into bed one night, and I thought, well, just tuck her in, kiss her, and turn the lights off. She's like, hey, we've got we to gotta read our devotion book. We've got to pray. I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be good to do. Like, we should do that. Like, yeah, the pastor, like, failed, right? And, uh, you know, she's already talking about wanting to work at Miracle Camp, um, and, and I, I can see her doing it. She's going to love that whole experience. Ethan, on the other hand, Ethan is not a reader. Ethan does not like to, to read kind of stuff. He connects to God through music. Um, he loves particularly rap, okay, um, which actually I'm, I'm, I'm fine with. I enjoy that. Um, but he connects to God through music. And so what I've done is intentionally over the years, um, I've, I've, I mean, he wants to buy a Christian album. I'm like, sure, like, here you go. Like, I'm going to put that on your, on your phone to listen to. Like, you don't have to pay for that. Um, we've had opportunities to go to concerts and have VIP access to meet Christian rappers. And I'll pay extra money to go do that with him because I know that that's going to feed his faith. Um, now, obviously, I want him reading scripture. And, and he's got to get in the word. But he's not a reader. And so I discovered this actually the other day. And, and props to Brandon here, big brother. Um, he pointed Ethan towards an app. Of course, there's an app for this. Um, that Ethan downloaded. And it's actually Christian rap artists reading the word of God. So it's just straight scripture, but it's got a beat behind it. And so I thought, for all of us old people, so you can picture what we're talking about here, we actually sampled it. So you can find this on YouTube, you can download it in the App Store, whatever, all this stuff, right? I don't even make any money from this. But this is, this is what it sounds like. And this, if you know my son, this speaks to my son. The Gospel of John. Prologue, Christ, the eternal word. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. So if your teenager is like me, like mine, he's got earbuds in all the time. And if he's sitting there listening to this, he's soaking in the word of God. It's got a backbeat to it. You know, it's got bass drops, all that kind of stuff. Like, man, seriously, thank you very much for introducing my son to that. Um, find a way that your kid connects with God and encourage it. 
Go out of your way to make sure that they have resources that connect them with God. So not only do we need to pursue God, but we need to create rhythms of faith as parents, as families. Uh, again, back in verse 41 and 42, they were traveling to Jerusalem because that was the Passover celebration. It was one of, of three annual festivals, and, and there were other kind of daily and weekly rituals um, that, that Jesus and his family would participate in. Um, so what does that look like in your home? What are, what are your rhythms of faith that you are intentionally creating for your children? You know, is it personal devotions, whether individually or as, as a family? Remember, your kids are watching. If you expect them to read the Bible, are you reading the Bible? If you expect them to, to go to church, are you going to church? Um, you know, is Sunday morning important for your family? Is, is your kid going to youth group important? You know, is camp and those, those mission trips and camp experiences, um, are those important for you? Are those part of your rhythm of your faith that you're creating uh, for your child? And are you understanding, are you displaying the importance of those things? Uh, for many of us, we have students who play sports, right? I'm not going to hit you over the head with a guilt trip. I'll let God do that on his own, right? Um, but we miss church because of our kids' sports schedules. None of you because you're all here, right? You're like, hey, I didn't miss church because of sports. But let's be honest. Um, there are sports that are scheduled on Sunday morning. And our kids want to be in sports, and we're kind of like torn. What do we do with that? And so when Ethan was in travel basketball, we had these weekend tournaments, and they were Saturdays and Sundays. And, and as a pastor, it just irked me that these things were happening on Sunday morning. And I realized, like, I can, I can fight against that all I want until I'm blue in the face. I'm not changing the sports culture in this area, right? So how can we maybe work with it or work around it? And so what I discovered is, did you know there's churches that have church on Saturday night in this area? And they're not Great Oaks, Right? And so what we would do is those weekends where Ethan had a tournament on Sunday morning was going to miss church, we made a priority as a family. We went to Richwoods Christian Church. We went to Northwoods Community Church on a Saturday night because we wanted to display to Ethan, hey, we love basketball, but our faith is central, and we're not going to sacrifice that for your sport. We're going to find a way to do both. And so how are you creating a rhythm of faith? What does that look like in your home? And then lastly, uh, and then I'm going to turn it back to Brandon here in a little bit, uh, we got to influence others. And so for us as parents, uh, what we're talking about this morning, I'm not talking about you influencing your neighbors. I'm not talking about you influencing your coworkers, um, anything else. I'm talking about you influencing your kids. Remember Deuteronomy 6. Uh, we are, as parents, the primary spiritual educators um, of our children. Statistics show that we as youth pastors have about 40 to 50 hours a year with your student. You as parents, I as a parent, have over 2,000 hours, not school time, not sleep time, not other time, 2,000 hours of getting up in the morning, hanging out through the day, traveling, tucking them in at night, hanging out in the evening, 2,000 hours plus every year to influence our children. Who is going to have the greatest influence on your child? Us at 40 to 50 hours or you, me, with my family at 2,000 plus hours? We have to understand that's our, our primary calling as parents. In verse 44, though, it stuck out to me that Jesus, Mary and Joseph, didn't just travel by themselves with Jesus to the Passover, right? They were traveling with family and friends. It was a pretty large caravan. You know, a lot of people say it's about 40 or 50 people, and so it's easy to lose a middle schooler. Trust me, we lose them all the time at breakaway. Um, just kidding. Your kids are safe. Um, but they, they, you know, they were traveling with family. They were traveling with friends. 
Um, one of the, the resources I go to a lot is an organization called Fuller Youth Institute. Um, they do, you know, long and, and wide studies of student culture and parenting and, and all this kind of stuff. And they wrote a book on, on how to help your kids have faith that sticks. And, and they had like six, seven key things that they talked about. And one of those things was they said, you as parents need to pursue five adults that are not you to influence your students. Guys with guys, girls with girls. They said, you need to go out. Your kid's not going to go out and find five adults and say, hey, will you spend time with me? Will you speak God in my life, right? We as parents have to go out and we have to handpick men and women who have like-minded faith in God and beliefs and values and say, hey, my kid at some point is not going to listen to me. Can I get an amen, right? Seriously, can I get an amen from parents? Our kids aren't listening to us. And so we need other adults that we invite into our kids' lives. And so uh, I've intentionally uh, picked out some guys, and I said, man, I want you to connect with Ethan. And maybe it's, maybe it's you know, doing some lawn work. Maybe it's talking about cars. Maybe it's you know, playing basketball. I don't know what it is. But just bring him into your world occasionally um, and, and just talk about your faith. Just live out your faith in front of him, right? Uh, Brandon is, has become one of those guys as he's come on staff and become a big brother in that streetlights app and all that. I didn't have that resource. I didn't know about that. But another adult that I invited into my kid's life, and Ethan connects really well with Brandon, um, you know, has, has spoken into Ethan's life. Morgan, you know, she has uh, one family in particular, right? Um, and this is a, a failed dad moment, but the Sturgill family. You guys here? Yeah, over here, right? Sturgill family. You guys are like second family to our, to our daughter. You know, I call Lily my daughter. Morgan's over at your house probably more than my house. Um, and it had an epic fail moment last night. We had the spring play, and uh, you guys got Morgan flowers for her performance in the spring play. And I'm like, oh, that would have been good to do. <laughs> Thank you, second family, right? So, but Morgan spends a lot of time with the Sturgills, and the Sturgills are a family that loves God and, and loves Morgan. And they just invite her in as a daughter, right? And I love the fact that I can send her over there and know that she's watched over and she's cared for and she's nurtured spiritually as well as physically, right? So find these people, and it's on us as parents to identify those people and invite them into um, our kids' lives. Lastly, and I'm going to close with one more story. Uh, Verse 49, Jesus says, you know, why were you searching for me? Didn't you have to be in my father's house? Parents, we have to remember our children are not ours. They are God's. And so God simply asked us to steward them for a short period of time. A quick story, I met a, a, a barista up in Chicagoland, and you know I write all my sermons in coffee shops. I uh, met a barista over, over months of working in there, and she was about 21 years old. She was leaving to go to Amsterdam to be a missionary in a hostel, youth hostel, for six months. And I was like, how? I, I, Morgan was just born. I'm like, I can't even imagine sending my daughter to Amsterdam for six months. Ends up she was a local fire chief's daughter, and I, I knew him because we were building a building. And I said, man, how... I just had a baby girl born. I can't even imagine sending her away like that. Like, how would you do that? And, and he was a man of God. And he goes, Chris, he goes, she's not my daughter. She's God's daughter. He just asked me to watch over her for 18 to 21 some odd years and then give her back. Some of us want to give back our kids sooner than that. But um, <laughs> remember that ultimately we are stewarding one of God's greatest resources, his beloved children. I'm going to turn it over to Brandon. All right, parents, this is your time just to check out, because now I'm just talking to the students. So you guys can just go ahead and get on your phones, whatever. It's what I'm used to with Breakaway anyway. Um, So yeah, so students, I'm talking to you guys now. Like, I'm directing this at you. Um, First thing we looked at was 
uh, kind of pursuing God and what it looks like to pursue God. In verse 43, Jesus decided to stay in Jerusalem. He made that decision. Um, we see that Jesus, he, he wasn't just like, oh, he got lost or anything like that. Like, no, Jesus decided to stay in Jerusalem to pursue his faith with God. I think that's, that's significant in our, in our understanding of all of this is because we have to start to own our faith. As students and as kids, a lot of times we, we kind of rely on our parents. Um, we rely on others around us to say, oh, well, they go to church, so I guess I should go to church too. Well, no, it's, it's your faith. You have to have that ownership in your faith. The next part that I kind of see that, that kind of stands out from that, um, or the, an example, I guess, that I would use for that would be, whenever you guys go to Miracle Camp, your parents aren't with you. Like, you're at Miracle Camp by yourself. You are owning your faith in that moment. So in those, in those times, you can either decide to go to Miracle Camp and have a great time and not even think about God the entire time you're there, but typically you don't because you're, you're submersing yourself in an environment where God is able to, to speak directly to you. So take that as, as an as a illustration for your ownership of your faith, is that you guys are already doing this. This isn't anything new. You guys are already starting to own your faith. You just have to take root of it and just really hold on to it. Um, we see in verse 44 and 47 um, that Jesus spent three days. So if we think about it, his parents were searching for him for those three days, that Jesus, he sought out the Jewish, te- the Jewish teachers um, to be able to speak into his life. One of those, another way for us to pursue God would be to have those people speaking into our lives, would be to have people that can, that can bring light and bring life into our lives so it's not just us, it's not just us by ourselves, but rather it's actually God, we're pursuing God through people also encouraging us that way. It's, for me, I think that's, that's insane because, I mean, I think about it um, in the side of being gone for three days. Like, imagine, imagine you guys are in a place where, like, you decide to come up to the church for three days in the school year, and your parents are, like, looking for you for three days. And then all of a sudden, they find you here at the church. It's like, what are you doing? You're like, well, I had to be in my father's house. I had to be at the church. The parents are like, no, like, that's not okay. But being in a place where you're having people speak into your lives and speak life, kind of going back to what Chris was saying, and having those people surrounding you, helping you pursue God. Um, and then lastly, in that, in that pursue God uh, portion, we see that in verses 48 through 50, um, that Jesus knew he had a deeper purpose. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't just his, his idea of, of life, or it wasn't just because he was Jesus. Because I know it's, it's very easy to say, oh, well, it's Jesus, of course. I mean, of course he was a great guy. Um, but having this understanding that Jesus knew he had a deeper purpose in life, that he, he had to be there. Like, he had to own his faith. Um, an example that I've given you guys, or in, at least in the high school ministry, a few different times, is that a lot of times we think that if our parents are going to church, that we're saved through our parents. I'm here to, to shatter that dream. Like, you are not saved through your parents. God doesn't have grandchildren. He has children. So either you own God as your father in heaven or not. And I think that's what it kind of comes down to. You have to have the understanding that, that God doesn't have grandchildren. You are his child, and you have to pursue God on your own. And that's what that, that's what that kind of comes down to. Um, moving on in, in, I guess, in creating the rhythms of faith, we, we see that Jesus really, I mean, in, in most of it, uh, when he was gone for those three days, uh, he, he, was, he had to have been doing something for three days. So in that time, he was asking questions. He was pursuing answers. Um, he was learning from the teachers and understanding that. It's, it's crazy because, I mean, we, we think our lives are, are really busy, but imagine spending Jesus' life in that time. Like, imagine being a 12-year-old kid. I mean, you guys, I mean, most of you guys would say I've been 12, 12 years old at some point in time. 
Um, but being a place where you understand that pursuing God and then creating a rhythm of faith is only going to bring you to your next step. And that next step being just creating that, that environment where are you getting into, into the word of God. Um, we see that Jesus honored, I guess in, in verse 41 and 42, we see that Jesus honored his parents by following up with those customs, with following with those cultural traditions, with going to them to the Passover feast. And in, in that time, I mean, it's, it's very easy right now for students to be completely just checked out. It's very easy to check out. Um, a lot, actually, in my own life, that's why faith didn't make sense to me when I was growing up. It's because a lot of times I would completely check out. But I, I would want to challenge you guys in understanding that you're in a place where right now, if you decide to start pursuing God and owning your faith, that you want to be fully submersed in the rhythm of faith that your parents have already created. If you're here right now, they've created a rhythm of faith for you. And it's up to you to come alongside of that rhythm and start moving with it. At the same time, you can also create, start creating your own rhythm. If maybe, maybe you're in a place where you don't see as much people around you reading their Bibles, start reading your Bibles. Listen to an app that has scripture on, that, that's read scripture to you. Doing things like that helps you start to create those, those not, I don't want to say habits, but those sorts of, those, um, I guess, I, I'm going to use the word habits. Um, those habits that you're going to be able to, to take along with you as you grow in your faith. Um, and lastly, what we see in, in influencing others, we, we truly see it as that if we're in a place where, like, we were pursuing God, we're now have a rhythm of faith that we have moving forward, we're also going to be then next in a place where our faith is going to start to grow. We're going to start to have spiritual maturity within our lives. Uh, we see this as an example in verse 47, that everyone that was around Jesus was amazed and they were astonished um, at his, his answers and his questions. And I think to me that's, that's awesome. I mean, to be 12 years old and have grown men that, were, that are Jewish teachers and know the law and, and everything like that, that they're amazed by his understanding and his wisdom. Um, I think that's extremely powerful. Um, the verse that I always come back to uh, for that and for that understanding is First um, Timothy 4.12, is don't let anyone look down at you because you are young. Um, but set an example to believers um, in speech, in love, in faith, and in purity. Um, having the understanding even now as being a 25-year-old guy, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not as young as many of you students, but you guys are also to be setting an example for other believers. You guys each have the power to do this even now um, and have the, have the potential to, to be able to truly uh, speak out to other people um, in the faith. And then um, as, we, as we continue to move forward through, the, through verse 51, we see that uh, Jesus honored. He honored his parents um, lastly in, in going back to Nazareth. He didn't fight with them. He didn't argue with them. He was completely obedient to their calling. Um, for, them to, for him to go back to Nazareth. He could have been saying, no, like, I'm in, I have to be in my father's house. I have to stay here. But instead, he decided to say, okay, I'll go with you guys. Like, you guys know what's best for me. And understanding that he was able to influence his parents. In the sense that they, tr so much so that his mother treasured this entire experience. And I think that's, I really like this part of this passage. Um, simply just because it comes down to the point where this whole thing could have been a missing child sort of situation. It really, I mean, if you think about it, like, if you decide just to up and leave for three days, your parents would be pretty ticked. Like, they just, they wouldn't be happy about that at all. And they, they probably still, I mean, your parents would probably still be mad about it. Um, but in this case, it doesn't show, there's no evidence that shows that they were mad at him. Rather, they, Mary treasured this entire experience as a whole. She loved that her son was found in the temples. 
She loved that he was asking questions. She loved that he was, he was pursuing God, creating a rhythm of faith on his own. At 12 years old, that's pretty powerful stuff. And in the last verse that we see is that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favoring with God and men. This is, this is where it kind of all comes together in that as Jesus was there, as he was pursuing God, as he was getting to know God better, and as he was getting to, to dive into scripture and learn and, and ask questions and everything, um, that we, we truly see that he, he grew. And it, because he created that rhythm of faith, after he went home, he was able to grow in favor with God and man. Having that understanding and, and knowing that, we, we see it's kind of like a, I mean, I'm not, I'm not huge on math or anything. I like math a lot, but um, we kind of see it as, it's almost like an equation where it's like pursue God plus influence others. Or no, I messed that up. See, I told you, I'm not great at math. <laughs> pursue God, um, create rhythms of faith, influence other, equals influence others. So once we're in a place where we can start to do that, students, you can see that, again, Chris and I can never say, oh, go to your schools, like, go influence people for Christ. We would never be able to tell you that without giving you the tools on how to do that. Starting off, you need to be able to pursue God. You have to make that ownership of your faith. You have to decide whether or not you're going to pursue God or not. When you decide that, move forward to the next one, because obviously you're all here, so I'm only hoping that you're all pursuing God. Next step, start creating those rhythms of faith, whether that be listening to an app, reading your Bible every day, doing a Devo, listening to worship music, becoming part of the worship band, whatever it is. Start doing those things now so they create that rhythm of faith in your life and you start moving forward with it. And then lastly, then you can be in a place where you can start to influence others. You can be in a place where you can start understanding why God is pouring into you so that you can then pour out to others. Um, that's really all I have. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it back over to Chris, I guess. Nice. Give it up for Brandon. Thanks. I can tell you I was not that good when I started preaching. Like, oh my gosh, I'm back here like, oh, I'm, I'm taking notes. Like, I'm pulling a Mike Hazelbush here. I'm like, oh, that's good stuff, you know? <laughs> Quick story. When I left my last church, I had a friend of mine that took me out for breakfast and he said, uh, he's like, hey, I just, I'm going to miss you. And he said, uh, you know, when you first started preaching, you were horrible. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks. Uh, you're buying, right? You're buying breakfast? He's like, no, seriously, like, it was bad. He said, there were Sundays I walked in and I saw you preaching. And he's like, you were standing behind this big podium and you were standing there and you were like reading manuscript. And you look up every now and then you were super nervous. And, and he's like, there were, there were Sunday mornings I walked in my, with my family and I saw you were preaching. I almost went and went to the church next door. He goes, it was that bad. And he goes, but now, man, I love you. Just to see you grow as a, as a communicator. He's like, man, it's just, I love listening to you teach. And Brandon, I got to tell you, man, you were far beyond where I started with this big podium and manuscript, scared, nervous reading. So if you were nervous this morning, it didn't show. So good job, brother. Good job. Um, we just want to close with just some, some questions to challenge all of us, parents and students alike. Um, we've got them here on the screen. Maybe you want to write them down um, in, your, uh, in your bulletin. But what does your rhythm of faith look like? Are the only times that you think of God on Sunday mornings, a youth group, or are you spending time with him every day? Who and, and what are you pursuing? Who can you allow to speak into your life to help you grow closer to God? And how can you begin to influence the people in your life so that they see Christ through you? That's what this series is all about. We're called to influence everywhere we go. We carry the name of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. And one of the most important places is in our homes with our kids and in our schools with our peers. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for this morning, for the privilege to, to be in a church that loves students and that invests heavily in students. Uh, Father, we look around and we see our children um, from birth through young adults into college. And we know that's such a critical age for faith. And thank you that we can have a sermon, a sermon on a Sunday morning and, and just talk to students directly, talk to this reality of being spiritual educators of our children. Lord, empower us in that. Give us a heart for that as parents. Um, just uh, encourage me as a father to speak you into my kids' lives. For the students, give us a heart to run after you, to surrender all to you, to make our faith central, the most important thing that everything else flows out of. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and sing.